This is the Casting Lots podcast, and you're listening to Casting Lots. We will not comply with the institution's sick illusion. No, it won't be televised. Welcome to the revolution. Televised government been telling lies. If you're not with us, you better step aside. Witnessing the genocide, everything is centralized. The food that we consume and they spraying it out with pesticides. Easily identify the sheep and the snake, the real and the fake. Giving us a reason to pray. I'ma make my own choices. A voice for the voiceless. They trying to destroy us, avoiding the poison. It's all pointless if you don't have a purpose. If you read the verses, you'll know who we versing. Government can tell you what your worth is. Look deeper than the surface. They don't even want you researching or asking questions. We all being tested. Shut your mouth, they comply, that's the message Want you depressed on prescriptions that mess with your head Got you stressing, suppressing expression We will not comply With the institution's sick Good evening, everyone. Uh, today is Saturday, February 4th, 2023, and this is episode five of Casting Lots. How's everybody doing tonight? Thanks, y'all, for joining. Um, I've got Mr. Puster here with me. Matt? Hello. Tonight, we've got a really good show. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever heard of The Great Leap Forward. Um, it was China's Great Leap Forward. That's what we're going to be discussing tonight, and just some other issues, controversial issues. Um, forget Tuesday. It's Taco Saturday. That's right. Not afraid. <laughs> Every day is a good day for tacos, especially in this house. Um, so before we get started with tonight's show, I just open like to open us in a quick prayer. So if you would please just bow your heads. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for giving in this opportunity for us to gather in your name, Lord. Um, I thank you so much for all the people that I have in my life, those who, who listen to this podcast live and those who will listen to it later, Lord. Um, I ask that you just use me as your vessel once again to, to get whatever message you need me to put out there, um, that the right people will hear this message tonight, Lord. I ask that you be with everybody here tonight and those who will listen to this later on, Lord. Just guide us and protect us. In your son, Jesus' holy name, we pray. Amen. So, um, today was just kind of a relaxed day for us here. We are getting ready to go to Wisconsin for a couple of days just to kind of get away. The weather here has just been so, so bad. It's just been cold, like bitter cold, and there's just snow, and the kids and I were all going stir crazy. So, um, after we're done with tonight's show, we got to go pack up, and then we got to get up in the morning, go to church. And then um, just pack the truck up and leave. It'll be nice just to kind of get away. So um, I'm looking forward to that. The kids are excited. Uh, Great Wolf Lodge is where we're going. That's our home away from home. The kids always have a good time. And I think Matt loves going down our slides too. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> He's so excited. He just can't take it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm with the cold very well, so I don't like to take kids out, especially when it's eight degrees. You know, there's really not a whole lot you can do. But we have had sun, so that's exciting. That makes me happy. I'll just sit by the patio door in like 20 minutes and just soak up the sun. So that's been been something positive, I guess. Um, but yeah, it should be fun. And springtime's coming, and it means we get to go hiking and spend time outdoors. So just something to look forward to. Um, but all right, so getting to tonight's topic, I don't know, again, how many of you have ever heard of this. I just heard about this a couple of days ago. Um, it was called China's Great Leap Forward, and um, it started in 1958 by Chairman Mao. He launched a campaign, and basically what the goal was was to outproduce Great Britain, um, the mother of the Industrial Revolution, while also achieving communism. Um, before the Soviet Union. So China was really just trying to be number one in everything, you know, with the Industrial Revolution um, and communism. Um, but as we'll find out here later, it actually ended up backfiring on him. And, um, you know, not many Americans are really aware of this. I, like I said, I just found out about this not too long ago, a few days ago. And if you look at everything that happened during this Great Leap Forward, um, you see, that's kind of like where they're trying to push the world to go. You know, we, we know all about the Great Reset and, you know, they want to have these 15 minute cities and they want to have sustainable business models and digital and, you know, uh, everybody's equal. And yeah, basically their, their 2030 goal, their 2050 goal, you know, they're, they keep trying. And, and if you look throughout history, you know, history is very cyclical. It just keeps repeating itself over and over again. And um, as we'll learn tonight, you know, um, it starts out good. It sounds good. It looks good on paper. But as they actually put into to play their, their plan, everything just kind of spirals out of control. And, um, you know, this is actually a really sad story. And I don't really know a whole lot about China's history. You know, I know bits and pieces. Um, I've done world history class. And, um, you know, these are the things that they don't talk about. But these are things that I think is really important for any. Components that went into this plan, This it was a five-year plan. Um, you see that that's kind of like they're trying to push us today and on a world on a global scale so um it lost like 45 million people yeah it said between 30 and 45 million people and you know china they're very secretive on all of their information because they don't ever want to have that bad reputation um and so they don't really know the exact number but it is estimated between 30 and 45 million people died during this time and they said that um they experienced, China experienced 1,828 major famines in its long history. Um, but what distinguished the Great Leap Forward from the others is that um, it was just the ongoing concealment. It was so massive and they just tried to conceal it. Um, and it says estimates of death directly related to the famine range from a minimum of 23 million to as many as 55 million although the figure most often cited is 30 million. 
While there is evidence to suggest that extreme weather, excess rain in the south and drought in the north may have exasperated the problem, weather became a convenient scapegoat along with GMD and the Soviets. So kind of like today, you know, they want to blame all oh, global warming for all these massive deaths that we're seeing when we know clearly that it's the bioweapon that's causing it. So it just seems that governments always have a way of blaming other things than itself. Um, so do you want to talk about it? Okay, so um, it says after the Korean War, the Chinese government turned um, single-mindedly to realizing that um, socialism through domestic development on two fronts, industrialization in cities and collectivism in the countryside. So what they did when they started out um, their approach for the five-year plan, um, they, they looked at the Soviet Union and they were trying to, to do like the Soviets did. Um, but as they saw what happened with the Soviets, that resulted in the death of the starvation of six to eight million people. So even though they saw that the Soviets' plan had failed, they said, well, we're going to do it. We're going to do it better. Um, and so um, collectivism, it started in stages. And um, it started out with 10 families. They were all, you know, voluntarily cooperating in mutual aid teams. They called them MAT, M-A-T. And then, yeah, oh, Matt, not you. In this early stage of socialism, each family, they agreed to share their tools and, you know, their labor. They'd work on each other's farms and their draft animals with other um, people in their team. And they got to keep the ownership of their tools and their land um, and their farming communities. But the only difference now was that it was formalized by a written contract. So they, they had a contract. And work together you know we'll farm together and we'll plant together and you can help me with my crops and i'll help you with yours kind of like what we talk about doing today and so um they had you know said okay this will be really good we can help each other out um and it sounds good right um so uh, the formation of low-level agricultural producer cooperatives called apc was the next step and that meant now five teams or 50 households compromised an APC. So they went from 10 families up to as many as um, 50 households. And they each contributed their resources and all that included their land and, and their labor. Um, again, the families, they kept the title to their land and they were paid based on the contributions of their land and labor to the CCP. Um, there were so many steps that were taken towards this collectivism, um, and it proved effective. You know, it showed that this was working. Everybody was helping one another. Um, it, it looked, yeah, this is great. We're doing really well. And so, of course, when you see that this is working, you just want to keep working harder, right? Um, and then by late 1955, Mao moved to the next step of his five-year plan. And this is more controversial. Um, it was the phase by combining approximately five low-level cooperatives into higher-level cooperatives. Um, and that ended up being about 250 households. So they went from 10 households to 50, now to 250. And you can kind of see where this is going. So the private property, you know, the, the families, they still, they own the, the deed to their land. Now the private property was abolished. The so, right? Well, yeah, and now they had to turn all this into the government, you know, the land, the animals, tools, any of the resources that they used that were part of the cooperative now became, became um, 
no longer theirs. It, well, that's why one of the reasons it failed was that they that model they went in, they wanted to establish around like four thousand communes, which was basically you hand all your property over and, and everybody is equal, but the expectation was for them to work fourteen to eighteen hours a day, which was unrealistic, I guess. And I mean, so and then everything that they, well, you know, they sourced. Uh, and the proportion of that would go to a communal hall, which was like a big soup kitchen for the whole community. So they, they said that what happened was, you know, they were just trying to produce more and more. You know, China has always been very competitive and they wanted to be number one. And so they would send the moms and the dads out to work. And um, then they would have the elderly or the sick stay back with the children. And then they have like a head chef where they, you know, cooked all the meals. And so, um, you know, they were just, they even said that there were times when, um, you know, the people wouldn't even come home. They would make, you know, makeshift beds and they would stay the night wherever, you know, whatever land they were cultivating. And a lot of times they just, they didn't even see their family because it was like, you know, they, um, they wanted to get this done. Um, and it says the farmers became the backbone of the industrial production. Urban uh, cadres made command decisions for the nation's agricultural output. So what they would do, they, if they saw like a neighboring commune, um, they had produced a double grain output. They thought, well, if they can do double, we can do triple. You know, so it was always a competition with them. Um, and so, you know, like I said, they, they would just spend this time away from their families, just tending to these fields. And, um, you know, they just constantly wanted to to produce more. They wanted to be better. And, you know, um, it's like the more they did, the more compensation they would get or sh they should have. Um, but, you know, eventually Mao started taxing them more. And so um, it says that um, there was an anti-rightist campaign. It says on June 8th, 1958, the party announced the existence of a nationwide anti-communist plot and warned that approximately 5% of the population were still compromised of rightists. Of course, they were called rightists. It seems like today, like, you know, anybody that's right-minded or free-thinking, they're, they're labeled you know, as a conspiracy theorist or this or that. And the same thing happened here. Um, it said, basically, they, they called them, um, you know, rightists and anybody that was sab sabotaging the revolution. And so in response, um, they felt to identify those 5% within the ranks of being rightists and half a million or more were branded with the label rightists. And this was put on their permanent record. And what this did was it ruined their careers, you know, their forever. Um, and it made them social pariahs. And um, a lot of them were exiled into labor camps. And, you know, this oftentimes would drive them to suicide. You know, your whole entire life is ruined because you choose choose to think outside of the Communist Party. You choose to think for yourself and you know, you can clearly see what's happening and you put it out there and now you've got this label kind of like today, you know, uh, it seems that nothing really has changed there. So their labels were called caps and they would not be removed until 
later, there was a blanket uh, rehabilitation in 1979. That was three years after Mel had died. So um, they were, you know, in addition to this, they removed the most educated from society. They didn't want anybody who could think for themselves. They didn't want anybody to, to you know, you are educated. You know, we talk about like with homeschooling. Yeah. They, they didn't want to have these thinkers. They just wanted workers. And that was the same thing here is that they just wanted good little workers who did what they were told. And anybody who spoke out against it, they had this label put on them. You know, just like today, you know, it's sad because, um, you know, I'm proud to be a conspiracy theorist. When people call me that, I kind of take that as a compliment because it shows that I'm a free thinker and I don't just fall in line with the sheep. You know, but here, obviously, in a communist society, <laughs> you don't want that on you because, you know, they would. They'd put them in rehabilitation camps or labor camps. And, um, you know, it's like this was so big and i've never learned about this in history have you ever learned about this i think really before i've read about it like maybe once or twice i never but did no, nothing ever in school and you think about it like i didn't learn about this in school but i learned about the holocaust which is very very important to read yes. but why you know look at how many deaths were here look how many people died here well that's you're looking off of a, this is a government mishap they're not <laughs> going to publish it i mean exactly it, you're not going to sit here and say that this is uh, we killed 45 million people. <laughs> it was all just an oopsie. Right. Well, and that's the, that's what I'm saying. So, you know, this obviously was within a five year period. Right. In the government. question you know you know that's why i think this is something that is truly important i think that we as americans we need to see because well, i guess it's just government mismanagement i mean look at like hey but even still look what happened with with uh world war ii with the holocaust we learned about that that was a big government mismanagement but we all know about that why don't we know about this well, because it, you know it's a external instance where this is self-inflicted well so Holocaust. Maybe because we weren't involved in yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, there was nobody else. This it? is very secular, and there, there. I mean, there was an outside bodies running in to just try to save them on their failed business model. I mean, just think about it. Like you know, the outside is they weren't trying to grow in that expectation, right? No. Can you all hear me? Five five. Are we good? Mm-hmm. It's cutting in and out. Okay. Strange. Um, but yeah, so um eventually, you know, like I said, this led to a lot of people committing suicide. Um, they removed the most educated from society. And this discouraged the Chinese people from voicing any doubts or criticisms. Um and, you know, it, it just, it scared them, you know, fear. We always talk about fear. Fear leads the way for, for those who, um, you know, are, they don't want to step up, you know, just like with, with the shot, we all stuck up, you know, we're not getting it. Country, they didn't have guns. They couldn't protect themselves. That's probably the only thing we got going for us, you know, is, 
It's just that we can defend ourselves if and when we need to. Oh, I, <laughs> I popped the rice ball. Um, <laughs> they don't like, they probably, that's probably why I'm cutting in and out. They don't like that I'm talking about their history, you know. Um, so it says that Mao projected by the end of the leap forward in 1962, China would be the world's leading steel manufacturer with 100 million uh, tons producing even the U.S. That would be an increase of 2,000% in five years. So what happened was um, the second part of the five-year plan, the movement was that um, they were going to create, you know, on these farms that they had, they were going to create steel. Um, so even though they, they had an adequate food supply, their development steel, they had imagined that all of these hundreds of farmers could contribute to the industrial development. Uh, and one of the most infamous innovations of the Great Leap Forward involved the industrial revolution in the countryside. And these farmers, they would construct millions of backyard furnaces, and then they divided their time between the crops and then smelting all the steel. And it says gathering fuel to stoke all these furnaces resulted in the loss of at least 10% of China's forests. Okay, so they were cutting down all of these trees. And the steel that they were producing was complete and utter garbage. So. Well, yeah, that's what they're saying that um, the wood became scarce, right? So then peasants resorted to burning doors and furniture, and they even raided cemeteries for their coffins. And then instead of mining the ore that was going to be melted down, everybody contributed iron implements, including tools, utensils, walks, doorknobs, shovels, window frames, and other everyday items. Um, I guess children even, they would you know, scourge the area for iron nails and other scraps that they could use to melt down. And now these farmers, you know, that's what they were, farmers. They didn't have any expertise in, in burning down steel. And so, obviously, it resulted, like you said, in just garbage steel. But, you know, China, Mao, he was like, oh, we're going to be the leading producer of steel. Again, the competition. So they were trying to beat the Soviets with uh, with the, um, the communism. They wanted to be number one in the Industrial Revolution, and they wanted to be number one in steel producers. So we have three things going on here. You know, Mao, he just really was like, oh, you know, we're going to be the best at this, 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 and this. Um and obviously, we see that that failed. Um, and so, you know, these farmers, they they knew that Mao would be coming. And so they would just, you know, the leaders, they felt compelled to meet these grain quotas that they were given. Um, and they would exasperate their figures. So when Mao came to visit them on their farms to see, you know, how they were doing, these farmers would transplant their crops along the route that he was coming. So, you know, they'd make it look like it was even better than really what it truly was. And so um, the state increased grain exports. And because they had so much, they were then um, growing other things like cotton or tea so they could make more money. And of course, raise the taxes. It went from 20 to 28%. That's nearly a third of the money, you know, that these people were, were getting. Um, and from 1958 to 1960, the overall grain production fell 30% because they were focused on the steel and, you know, producing cotton and tea and other things. So obviously this led to a catastrophe. And so um, Peng 
Duhai, excuse me, I can't read Chinese. Um, he was the Minister of Defense at that time, and he was in a long time associate. And, and um, it's due to inexperience. You know, he warned of um, exaggerations and waste and fantasism, but of course he couldn't blame Mao because, you know, it's a communist country. And so because he did this, um, Mao, you know, he, he had him on house arrest. <laughs> he put him on house arrest. He was mad, you know, and so he told the party, you know, you can either follow Peng or you can listen to what I have to say. And of course the party voted for Mao and they said that, you know, Peng, he's now a rightist, you know, because he's literally telling Mao all the things that are happening and he didn't want to hear it. You know, so um, starvation became a widespread problem with the harvest of 1959. And um, the government, they raised the taxes to 28%, but local leaders, they had then inflated the production figures to which the taxes were based. So the, the state actually um, appropriated a much higher percentage of their grain. And so these farmers were literally living on nothing, you know, um, they, they, um, they grew the to to produce you know um, and so a lot of the the farmers were accused of hiding grain and later they were hunted or beaten even tortured by their own neighbors um, and so the reality of it was the appropriated grain it just sat in state warehouses or made its way to cities where rations were cut. And you know, you think back to, remember when all that stuff happened in, um, what was that, uh, Puerto Rico? Remember they yeah. found all those warehouses with all the water after they had that big hurricane? And remember they, um, they just stored all that food and water. Yeah. You know, this seems to be a common thing here with- Government um, mismanagement. Yeah, well, yeah, government, you know, let's just keep keep trusting these governments because they have our best interests at heart, right? I don't know. Same for me, in and out. I don't know what's going on. Everything here on our end looks good. You're able to hear? Yeah, it's just pauses sometimes whenever, like, it's like a slow delay. Interesting. You know, that's, we talked about the spiritual attacks. They're going to keep coming. You know, everything's good. And then... uh yeah, tyrants starve the populace for control. That's exactly it. You know, you he who controls the food controls the people, right? And so that's what they did here. These farmers, they're growing all this food on their farms, but yet they're starving. Um, and so it says, as the food reserves in the countryside had diminished, peasants began dying in the droves by the summer of 1960. Many of them just collapsed in their fields or roadsides or home where family members had watched the corpses rot, lacking the energy for burial or even shoo away from flies and rats. Um, it says some of the people would even hide their relatives' remains in homes so that they could still continue collecting the food rations. And it said some of them um, foraged for seeds, grasses, leaves, tree bark. Um, 
and food became so scarce, they would even boil leather or they would eat the soil just to fill their stomachs. Um, and eventually, and this is so gross, um, they said some of them even turned to cannibalism. Um, although this involved scavenging for the most part, um, usually children unintentionally were killed as food. It's as rarely did this happen within a family, but um, stories are told that the villagers would exchange their babies to avoid consuming their own flesh and blood. Could you imagine that? And have you ever heard of like the Tibetan uh, uh, ceremony, uh, a funeral ceremony? No, I saw a picture of a girl the other day on Facebook. They would leave them up on the mountains yeah. and they would freeze to death and they would sacrifice their children to the Tibetan one is that they feed the vultures at the top, so they mm. chop their their deceased up and then bring mm. them to the top. Or so. I mean, think of it. Look what's happening here. You know, like, again, history is cyclical. We see what's happening. They're already creating the food shortages here. You know? Yeah, it was right. <laughs> this is not a family show. It's, it's a late night show. Um, but this is what happened, you know? And again, how many of us really know of this? Again, I just found out about this um and yeah some are doing that now and it's very very sad um it says again the estimates of the death directly related to this famine range from a minimum of 23 to as many as 55 million of course we're not going to have an exact number but um you know I, I think really the main takeaway from this is that socialism does not work communism does not work you know um it looks so pretty on paper you know, of course, oh, everybody's going to be equal. Everybody will own land. Everybody will work together, you know, a basic income. And yeah, in the beginning, it might work, but over time, it's not going to sustain, you know, and I think you can kind of compare that to today. You know, we, we talk about the Great Reset, right? We are going to have these 15-minute cities. Everybody's going to be together. Um, there's going to be one food source. There's going to be one basic income. You're not going to own anything, and you're going to be happy. And as we can see with China's Great Leap Forward and the Great Reset, everything's got great in it. Everything that they say is great is definitely not great. And of course, like Not Afraid said, only the elite are going to thrive. And that's just what it is. They don't want us, communism and Satanism 100%. You know, uh, it, it's greed. It comes from the greed. The people, the little peasants, they work their, their butts off and then you know, you've got the elite sitting pretty and just sitting there laughing at people. We've had these discussions at work with uh, with people. It's like communism is a horrible business model on paper, but sustainability during like a pandemic, they're going to outlast a Western uh, Western country. How so? Just from the simple fact that we will eat each other alive. What do they do during this communism regime? I mean, hypothetically, I'm not talking about that, but I'm saying where. This was piss poor management where they can, a communist instance can control, hey, you get one potato. Whereas in the Western instance, everybody over here will be trying to kill each other. I mean, look at toilet paper whenever uh, the scarcity went there. I was watching grown ass adults uh, fight in Julasco over a pack of a four pack. But look what happened here. People resorted to eating themselves because the government hoarded everything, the people worked harder. At least here, you know, I don't, there is no, no right answer for something like this. And it's definitely not giving one person control. Oh, no, 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 no. That's what communism means. is. But How would communism outweigh 
Well, I'm just saying we were having the discussion as far as like a government, a a communist government will sit there and say, okay, well, you get one potato and that's it. There's no negotiation. You are a potato. Thinking like that. (laughs) Well, we were just having this discussions where we were like, so like if if a famine broke out over here, the, I don't know, I have, I have doubts about a a good, a good portion of Americans making it through, right? Well, let's be realistic, okay? Hmm. We're looking at today's society. You know, we talk about like, uh, where did we go? Um, Chick-fil-A, right? And you ordered a tea. I love tea and I'm trying to stay away from sugar. So I ordered, they have some of the best tea. So I got a sweet tea with half unsweet and half sweet. So it wouldn't be super sweet. What did they give us? A half tea and a half lemonade. And I'm thinking, these are the people... When shit does hit the fan, excuse my language, but when it hits the fan, these people can't even make a drink right. How are they going to survive? You know? And so, uh, <laughs> you, sir, are a potato. That's right. Matt's a potato, a big old potato. What's well, interesting. But you're a sweet potato, though. <laughs> no, but really, no, Chick-fil-A is the Lord's chicken, everyone. Don't you dare. That is the Lord's chicken. Um but no, you, really, you think about something like that, something so basic like that. And when things do happen and there is going to be, you know, famine, things like that, we're teaching our children how to plant seeds, right? So they can teach that to their children. Um, I'm teaching Olivia. We learned today. We're learning how to crochet. We're learning life skills that are going to be needed for the days to come. We might have a whole thing full of, you know, a whole closet full of, of, yarn so we can crochet things <laughs> i'll crochet you some warm socks to keep you warm crochet you know socks. yeah <laughs> you will but you know things like that it's just that um it's you think of this whole thing right so you've got this great leap forward and again it sounds great on paper everybody's going to work together everybody's going to have food but when you give one person all that power they degreed the you know in the bible it says for the love of money is the root of all evil right and that's what happens they get all this power and they get all this money and then you see these people starving right it's like i agree with that but like the i I compare it more so with the the thought of like money's not an evil instance like there's no no, money is not but the love the idolization idolization of of it money yeah you know definitely a downfall when, and then when this does happen, money is going to mean nothing. You know, yeah. we're out but, here planting crops, you know, and I saw something not too long ago and it had talked about um, the Biden regime. They're they're saying that they can come into people's homes. They're trying to pass something where they can come into our homes mm-hmm. and take anything that we have access of. So, you know, we've been planning, we've been prepping. They're going to give themselves the OK to just come into our house and to take what we've stocked up on you know and like i said i will share this with isn't people the civil war times i mean and I, I hate to bust everybody's bottle but, but i'm not worried about the federal government coming up in my house well, i mean if we hit to that point and that level the 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 instance of having a government becomes a nuance and it's right not, there it's, will be no government right unless they're bargaining uh, you know, people to keep their jobs so they can get food supply. I'll give them that. seeds. I'm gonna give them nothing. I'm gonna give them freedom seeds. <laughs> I'm not even donating those. No, but really though, you know that's the thing. They did that during Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. You're yeah, you're right. You know, we lived in El Paso. Uh, Matt was in the army, and we were stationed at Fort Bliss for a while. And of course, it was 
you know, the one year that I lived in the desert, they decided to have this big old ice storm where they never have ice storms. And they had snow where they never have snow. And all the pipes froze. And so we lived in an old ho- like house. It was built in, what, 1950? It was oh, on post. We lived on post. And so they had the same team that came in during Katrina. And this was all throughout El Paso. The entire city was without water. Pipes had busted. The pipes that we had, they didn't even make those kind of pipes anymore. They were lead, right? Yeah. And so I think they were like five eighths of an inch and they didn't even make those anymore. So they had to have the military hire these contractors, the same ones that went to Katrina to come in and clean up this mess. And just to see the way that people reacted during this, you know, um, we had a little one at the time, Caden was a baby and we had to wash bottles and we, they brought non-potable water and it was just very interesting to see the way that people reacted to a crisis like that. I wasn't a part of Katrina. I wasn't there, but you know, it was kind of like, you know, we were without water. Um, it was like the whole base shut down and people were just like panicking. And of course, you know, these men are trained to, um, to deal with crises, 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 right? Crises. I will go with that. <laughs> What's the word? Um, but, you know, it's like some people still panicked. And it's like that, that kind of comes in when you got the alpha and the beta. You know, the alphas, they took charge and they were helping each other out. I remember when that happened. Remember, it was late at night. Yeah. And Ashley was like, oh, man, we've got water coming out of our closet. And I was like, wall. what? And so we, they lived across the street from us. And we walk over to their house. And on their driveway, their entire driveway is just covered in ice from the water leaking out of the house. And it was like a disaster. Crisis, right. Um, so yeah, it was just really interesting to see just something that that little and the impact that it had. Now imagine nobody's got running water. Nobody's got gas. Nobody's got heat. Could you imagine on a global scale or even just a national scale, the way that people are going to react? You know, we kind of had a small taste of that. That's probably the worst crisis I'd ever been in. It was a week. Um, but, you know, look at the people in Texas right now. They're without electricity. Duncan, he had a tree fall in his house and his car and, you know, without electricity. And, you know, thankfully, he's got a fireplace, he said, so they're able to burn wood. But what about those people who don't have that? What are they going to do? I don't know. I remember one, uh, I forgot which I think it was Hurricane in 96, Fran that knocked out a all the power and the water in the little small town we lived in or lived close to. And everybody was freaking out in town right across us there. And like my grandparents went on like life, had, life was nothing. Right. Right. They were taking water out of the ditch and boiling it. I mean, that's. You got to do what you got to do to survive, right? It's survival <laughs> of the fittest at that point. But when you live in a place like. Well, China, when you're a kid, it's exciting, right? Well, yeah, it's, it's something like, new. You don't got to go to school. Well, you probably like, now you look what, like now you're looking back on it, and it's like, well, they had like a Red Cross with like actual hot food, and then they had like water drop offs, and I'm just like, oh, that was kind of serious. Yeah, it was, but as a kid, you don't see it that way. Oh, and so we've been teaching our kids that they're when we're not going to have water, we're not going to have heat or things like that. Then. You know, so good because even if I don't really know how to do something, um, I've got um, what? It's going really fast. I just heard the lag slow down. Oh boy! Not today, Satan. Satan, get behind me. Go away. You are not welcome here. Now you were worried because you kept saying the excellent and poor, and it was excellent the whole time. 
but they went like super yeah. fast. I don't know what's going on, guys. I'm sorry. Everything's fine until we get on here to to talk the Lord's word, and then He's like, "Oh, you want to play games? It's all right, Satan. Not today. I rebuke you in the name of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Get behind me." All right. Hi, Vicky. Thanks for joining. Um, yeah. So back to books, right? So I've been going to. If you've never been to, go to thriftbooks.com. Do not. I am not getting paid for this. It's not a paid sponsor. Um, I'm not selling pillows or slippers today, but I am telling you, go to thriftbooks.com for your own good. Uh, they have got every book you can imagine, and they're all discounted books. They're used books. And me being the person that I am, um, I like to get the old books from like the 19... 19- like I do. I love books. I, I love the way that books feel, the way that they like smell, books, the way they feel in my like hand. The space that we have. That's okay. You're going to thank me someday. Trust me. Um, but all of these books that we have, right, just teaching us how to do things. And um, Thrift Books has everything you could possibly well, imagine. Nothing else, at least the pages will be old enough to find in case for starting a fire. You will not burn my books. Uh, this is not Fahrenheit. Uh, the uh, website is called thriftbooks.com. T-H-R-I-F-T-B-O-O-K-S. Thriftbooks.com. And yes, they. I send Jaja some books for her son. Um, and they really, I love the fact that they're older because I don't trust a lot of modern day books or websites or anything like that because I just feel that any of you who have read the book 1984, you know how, um, you know, they talk about how they're rewriting history and doing things like that. So I like to go back and get books. They're old. You can tell they're old. They smell old. They look old. Um, but I trust them more than I trust the books that we have today. So, um, well, they're yeah. written like instruction manuals and a lot of books from like yesteryear, whereas nowadays everything is just like a reference book. That's the way I look at it. Like they reference, like if it is written, it's like, oh, we're referencing this theory and you got to find that. Whereas back in the day, it was more like an instructional, like, right. You know, and that a how to, right. Yes. And so like I bought a couple of cookbooks, how to bake bread, because I'm learning new ways to bake bread. You can put it in a uh, cast iron or you can put it in a Dutch oven or, or I spot that clay pot. I'm going to try that once my sourdough is ready, um, which that too, I don't know what I'm doing with that. I hope I pray every day over that. Lord, please let me be doing Like it's going to be good bread, right? So, you know, just all these different books, I, I I don't know what's going to happen. There may be a time when we don't have internet, you know, and so just having these reference books, I think is really good because we're learning. Uh, we just got a piano today and this amazing, beautiful piano. I am so excited. This man, he had posted on Facebook marketplace that he was giving away this piano. And so I just messaged him and sometimes it's a scam. You can't really trust a whole lot of what you see on there. So, um, I had messaged him and I told him we're a homeschooling family of four. I said, and you know, we're interested. I said, I prayed on this. My husband and I were talking about teaching our kids how to play the piano. Now, I, I'll be honest. I don't know how to read music. Matt does. He plays the guitar. I don't know how to do that, but that's something that we're going to learn together. And so I had messaged him and he messaged me back and we were going back and forth on the phone. And he had a couple of people that were um, wanting to look at it. And so he told me, he's like, we'll hold it for you if you're going to promise to be here to pick it up. And I was like, oh, absolutely. You know, like I prayed on this. I even told him, I said, I prayed on this. We want a piano. We just don't have the money to spend on a brand new piano. Uh, I had actually looked at it and some of the newer ones were like two grand. And I was like, oh, that's so pretty. But I just, it's not our budget. So 
anyways, I prayed on it. A couple of weeks went by and I just saw this just happen to appear on my, my news feed. And I was like, okay. So anyways, Matt went with one of his uh, veteran buddies and they went and picked it up. And this thing is massive. It's huge. And it's just beautiful. I'll share a picture on, um, on the casting lots telegram page. And again, it's just, it's beautiful. It's old. We looked it up on eBay and what was it? Somebody was selling one similar for, for like three grand almost. yeah, and it's solid wood. And it, it's just, I put my fingers on the keys and I just it's felt everything like everything prior to 1950. Yes. <laughs> it's checked. Yes. And now we have to learn, like we really have to learn how to play. And, um, you know, just sitting there with the kids, teaching them, Matt said, you grew up, your grandma played, right? Yeah. I played and she played that. She played the organ. And, uh, and then she played regular, regular playing. Does she ever so. teach you how to play? Yeah, just a little bit like here and there. So I got to relearn like regular keys, but music, music transcends across as far as that. So if anybody listening has any, um, please send them my way. I would appreciate any and all input. What is that? What is That's happening? A new noise. Now it's beeping. Broke it. Matt broke it. 
Hello? Hello? Okay, yes, we're back on that. See, he's trying. Satan is trying just as hard as he can. Interesting. Well, sorry about that, guys. I don't know what happened. Anyways, back to, yeah, so if anybody has any um, just input or suggestions for teaching the kids how to play the piano and myself, I would appreciate it. Um, I was doing a little bit looking up today, like what would be the easiest way. And uh, the guy that helped Matt carry the piano, he suggested, you know, because I guess he played, what do you say, the trumpet? Mm -hmm. um, he just said to like, you know, write the, keys write the right, yeah, put on the keys, like what each letter is. Um and so yeah, you too. get a piano teacher. We were hoping you could teach us, Ev, but you don't even know how to read music either. So, <laughs> um, but so yeah, so I think that's what we're going to do. Maybe I'll get um, right, some what do you think about tape. China, China balloon floating over. Oh, China balloon. The rice, the rice balls? They supposedly got more rice balls coming. I don't know. Uh, Ron says they take lessons. Yeah, I'm hoping to maybe get somebody here um, who could just kind of teach us a little bit. Um, yeah, the church would be a really good idea too. I didn't even think about that. Um, you know, I, cause that's something I've always wanted to do. I love music. I've always loved music, but I just never could read music. Uh, my ADD just always kind of kept me, you know, there's face F-A-C-E and then you got that's on the line. I don't even know what that's called. And then you got the other E-G-B-D in between. What are those called? Manners. <laughs> The miners, there we go. See, I don't even know what they're called. Um, but you know, the, obviously, that's where we're going to have to start. You know, you got to take baby steps. You got to walk before you run, right? So, um, so we're learning new things. Um, just to kind of, you know, I'm thinking when when stuff does happen, uh, there's an app called Simply Piano. Okay, we're going to check that out. Thanks, Ev. Um, when we do. You know, things do happen and we don't have electricity. We're going to have enough to keep us busy. We're going to have lots of books to read. If you're still trying to figure out how to play <laughs> piano, I'll be out. I will by candlelight. And now I'll serenade you with my beautiful music, right? I'll serenade the squirrels <laughs> in the backyard. That'll be about it. Odin will be howling like, oh, please stop playing for me. I don't want to hear it anymore. He's going to run away. Um, no, but, you know, it's just, you know, you think about stuff like that. I, I didn't 10 years ago think, oh, we're going to have to be learning how to plant seeds or, um, you know, we've got the indoor fire uh, stove, the wood burning stove. You know, you don't think about stuff like that, but preparing for that, you never know 
you know, even if we don't have all this, it doesn't really happen. It'll be nice to have these things and learn these things. And, you know, I really think that that's what God wants for us to kind of go back to the old ways. We're so distracted by, you know, the rice balls floating in the air, you know, and we, we need to spend more focus on like family, you know, Um, my concern is mostly like the, the, the loss of uh, life lessons and the ability to, you know, sustain yourself. I look at technology as a wonderful opportunity to use a tool, right? Right, it's but, a tool. But it, it becomes an obsession at that point in time as with anything else. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, fast food is good for you every blue moon. But for some families, that's their life and the right. you know, life string at that point in time. So I can see why it's concerning for an individual, like if, if that infrastructure was to go down, because if you don't know how to cook a damn meal. Can you say, all right, all right, all right? All right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone said you sound like Matthew McConaughey. Um, <laughs> so, um, but you're right, though. You know, we we put so much emphasis on technology, and you know, we don't eat out a lot. You can ask Matt. I love to cook. I don't do dishes, but I love to cook, and I got the kids helping me all the time. And so, um, you know, COVID. When COVID happened, I learned how to make cinnamon rolls. That was one of the first things I learned how to do, and I was so excited because I was like, "Wow, these are really good." You know, I'm not a big sweets person. I've never really been a sweets person. I'm more like savory. I love pretzels and chips. I'm like Everett. But it's different whenever it's your own. But it is. And and to know that you crafted this beautiful thing, right? And Scott had a show the other night and he was talking about cooking with God. You don't really think about that. But when you're sitting here and you're mixing these ingredients, you know, you have to knead the dough when you're baking bread and, you know, different things like that. It's like that's truly a good time to reflect and to thank God for for all the blessings that you have. So, you know, just teaching the little ones, like, let's bake bread from scratch. And the kids love it. Like, we'll bake bread and it'll be gone by the next day most of the time. We made some uh, wheat bread (laughs) the other day. And it wasn't terrible. It just was not my white bread. You know, I love my white bread. That's why my fupa loves it, too. You know, all the carbs. But no, really, it's good to to teach the kids these things because you're there may come a day when you're not going to be able to go to the grocery store and yeah. and buy a loaf of bread. You know, when you think about the days when, you know, during the Great Depression, when things were rationed, you know, they didn't go to the store probably to get bread. They probably had to bake their own and, and do these kinds of things. And so um, just like Scott always says, we have to go back to, to move forward. And so you know, preparing for things like this is really good because I might have to bake bread for my neighbors and I'm okay with that. You know, like the Lord has blessed us in so many ways. Like today it was such a completely different outlook. I know, I know. And that's why you're the yin to my yang, right? The peanut butter to my jelly. You're like, like, oh, we're going to be self-sustained right here. And my whole first thought is like, okay, well, I need a combat load of 210 rounds. Right. I was saying yesterday... I was like, yeah, Matt, we're talking about having to feed the neighbors. And you're like, no, we're not going to do that. I'm like, I'll have a shotgun in one hand and a, a you know, a thing of kale in the other to hand out. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't do that this summer. Right? I was like, well, if that's what we got to help somebody, you know, but um, it's just, it's, we have to think like that. You know, God, I always tell the kids, God blesses us so we can bless others. And, you know, if that's going to help somebody live i would rather that than for them to starve and you know you would too deep down you would too i don't know it depends on the situation well it's easy right now to say okay or like 
I'll help my next door neighbor out. But like, if right. it comes down to like the last pack of rice at that point in time, well, obviously, I'm going to choose my kids over my neighbor for sure. But, um, you know, I think that's where you know Scott. He always talks about these gardens. Everybody has to do gardens. gardens. And we had talked before, you know, about like if so, we plant the carrots, and the neighbor plants potatoes, and the next house plants the spinach, and the next one plants the lettuce. Like we can sustain that. There was something I, I had uh, heard that there was a guy, he was going around to his neighbors and he was asking um, if he could plant in their gardens or their yards and he would take care of the plants. All he asked was just for some of the, the fruit or the vegetables that were grown, you know, and I think if it comes down to that, people aren't going to be going to work. You know, people are going to they're going to be looking to us. You know, we've got the books, we've got the resources, we got the know-how. Let's teach. You know, they say you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, you teach him how to fish, you feed him for a lifetime, right? And that's kind of the same situation, I think, going forward. You know, we're going to have to rally together to in order to survive, you know? And that's why it's so important that you and I are teaching our children because maybe it's not going to be our generation, but it may be their generation. And we don't want another great leap forward. We don't want this to happen. And so teaching adults, teaching children about things like this, big part of history that kind of was erased. You know, I think it's important that we learn these types of things. And so we can teach others. So we see the signs, we know what happens, we see how it ends. Communism never works. It never has all throughout history. And it never will. You know, we may not have the right solution today. We may not have the right solution next year, but we know for sure, for certain, communism is not the answer. You know, I think when when government just gets too much power, that's when everything falls apart. You know, God never intended for for us to have like these crazy leaders. You know, he is our one supreme leader and we should be listening to what he tells us. And everything that we need is right there in that book, in that Bible. And if we, you know, it tells you to to take care of the land and, and the resources and everything that God has. And um, when you have these greedy people, they they corrupt it, you know. That's so why here in Illinois, uh, we, our land here, we're like considered the, the breadbasket of the country, right? Um, the natives, they came here and they cultivated the land. They knew how to grow the corn and all the other crops and things like that. So, um you know, they wiped them out. They didn't want us to learn from them. You know, they were the resources. And so it's kind of like... Did they wipe them out or did we wipe them out? I mean, the government. The government, yes, that was always their plan. They knew how to work the land. They knew how to cultivate. They knew how to grow things. They used everything. everything even, you know, down to the animal hide, they, the bones. Um, they didn't waste. And what happened? The government got rid of them, you know? And I kind of feel like that's what they're trying to do here. You know, solution to communism is gallows. Amen. That's right. Um, so, you know, learning from past mistakes is very important. And so, you know, if you get the chance, read up on the great leap forward. And it's very sad. You can watch, you know, like um, accounts, you know, people that had survived that or their family members. I was reading, going through videos, and I was just reading some of the comments that people had left. And they're talking about you know, their grandparents or whoever that went through this. And it's really sad. It's really sad to see, you know, these are God's children and the way that they were mistreated. And um, it's just sad. I don't know. We just need to learn and we need to focus more on 
and going back to the old ways and making sure that we don't allow these people like Biden. No, I don't want to classify like old ways because that makes it sound like really dated. What do you mean? Like, I mean, it's not old ways. It's just basic lifestyles at that point. Right. Time. Those are old ways for people like today. Yeah. You think that kid that messed up our tea is going to know how to crochet or are going to know how to play the piano? Or You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. We can't. To, but chances are. You know, just life skills. It, it is always. And I think um, it's just really important that we we teach our children. You know, we, we I 100% agree, but I'm, I'm just aggravated at the term old ways. Till with the oxen. That's right. We need an ox and we need chickens. That's what we need is some chicken. Little Henrietta. Oh. <laughs> Someday. You, yeah, you say that now until you have to you dip into a pot of boiling water. Oh my goodness, no. I'll let you do I that. that. I'm going to be busy. I'm going to be busy crocheting and playing the piano. Um, well, we are already at 11 o'clock. That time went by fast. You know, even with all the, the internet issues and the sound, you know. Oh, look, at see, everyone's got a Henrietta. I always said that's going to be the first chicken I ever have. Her name's going to be Henrietta. Um, but yeah, so. It's going to be Popeye. Popeye, really? You're gonna name our chicken Popeye? Pot pie. Pot pie? Yes. <laughs> no. Oh goodness. You're not to go near my chickens. Oh absolutely. Let me come to me. Oh my goodness. It's See what I gotta put up the with. Chicken whisperer. <laughs> the chicken whisperer. <laughs> Catherine got some new chickens and she loves them. She said they're so sweet. They want hugs and kisses. See, that's how I'm gonna be with my chickens. I'm gonna love them. And you're gonna eat them, Popeye. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness oh our rooster was god burn oh i'll say this huh? mm -hmm. oh my goodness well i guess we should um go ahead and close in prayer because we've got some packing and things to do yeah everin and matt you should do a collaborative i agree that would be fun that would be fun you and f oh my goodness yeah everin said he's in what about you ah sure all right Maybe we'll have to get together on that, Ev. I don't know if you're going to be busy next Saturday. Yeah, and how about next week? You and everyone. I'll sit back and laugh at you guys. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be awesome. Good idea. Was that Wade? Wade, you should jump in too. Uh, just sit here and do Looney Tunes voices the whole time. No, please don't embarrass me like that. No, With your Kermit and all the other voices. No, let's not do that. Yeah, we'll talk about the old ways, Everyone said, with your oxen and Henriettas. And Remnant <laughs> said, oh, play the cowbell. <laughs> uh... Oh no, Seriously, though, we, we got to do that. That will be so much fun. I like that idea. You down for that? Yeah, All right, good. Everin, next week, you know where my channel's at now. So um, anyways, well, let me go ahead and close this in prayer because I'm sure people are tired of hearing you. Not me, though. <laughs> just kidding. All right. If you would... Stop it. If you would, just bow your heads, please. Uh, Heavenly Father, we come to you humbly tonight just to thank you so very much for, for tonight. Even with all the connectivity issues and the sound issues, Lord, we still were able to, to speak your word, Lord, and, and just put the messages out there that you put on my heart to, to just share with those who listen, Lord. Mm -hmm. um, I thank you truly for all of the blessings that I have. Um, all the wonderful people that you've put into my life, Lord. Um, because of that, you've 
you've made sure that, you know, we've, we've got a family to turn to. Uh, we've got, you know, like-minded people and we keep each other in check and we help when we can. Um, I thank you for, for my beautiful children and, and just for everything that you have blessed me with Lord. And I pray that you can continue just using me, um, as your messenger to get your word out and to, um, just share whatever you need me to share, Lord. I pray that whoever was meant to hear this message tonight, Lord, that they hear it with open eyes and open ears and um, just an open mind knowing that, you know, days are coming when we are going to have to join together and team up, Lord. Um, and I pray that when that time does come that you can continue using us to be your messengers and to help those in need, Lord. Um, we know that many are struggling right now from whether it be the weather or just depression or anxiety, Lord. And I ask that you just help heal them, heal their hearts and, and calm the anxiety or whatever it is that they're feeling, Lord, that you just fill their hearts with love and, and faith. Uh, sometimes this walk can be hard, but we know that through you, through your son, all things are possible, Lord. And I just thank you. I thank you for everything. Um, please heal those who are sick, those who are hurting, um, and those who are scared. I just ask um, that you continue putting your hedge of protection around all of us and just keep us all safe through these trying times. And Lord, please let them take down the rice balls. Uh, we, we pray for safety and for peace, Lord. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, thank you all so very much for joining us tonight and um, for putting up with this. Um, you guys truly are a blessing. I'm so thankful for the Bards family and for, um, you know, everybody that I've met along this way. I know a few years ago, it just seemed so, just so like hard, like, how are we going to get through this, you know? But um, the Bards family has truly just been a blessing. I've met so many wonderful people. And now Scott's talking about doing another Bards Fest. Um, and I'm so excited for that. Just, you know, getting to meet people in person and, um, you know, just sharing these laughs in person. You know, we can sit here and laugh and have a good time and, and pray. You know, it's all about Jesus. And I know that since I've been listening to Bards and, um, you know, we, I have this Bible study, this amazing Bible study with amazing people. I have learned so much. Uh, just every day it continues to grow. Um, and, you know, I thank all of you truly for that because you have helped me on this journey. And I hope that, you know, you could take something from this, even if that means taking down the rice balls, Jaja. <laughs> That we can, you know, truly, we just, we get through this together. You know, God put us together for this time. We're created for this moment in time. And um, we're doing great things, guys. We're doing big things. God is moving mountains and Jesus is coming, you know, and uh, we're just preparing for him. And until then, we just continue living this land that God gave us and, and just loving one another. I think there's not enough love in this world and we need more love. And I truly, I pour my heart out to you all. I love you all. Even though we may not have met, you know, um, you all are my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I couldn't ask for a better group of people to to go through this war with. So, again, thank you. Um, and with that, I guess I will uh, play my Charlie Chaplin speech here and, and bid you all a good night. And God bless you all. Have a blessed weekend. And I will see you all soon.
I'm sorry, but I don't want to be a, an emperor. That's not my business. I don't want to rule or conquer anyone. I should like to help everyone if possible. Jew, Gentile, black man, white. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. We don't want to hate and despise one another. In this world, there's room for everyone, and the good earth is rich and can provide for everyone. The way of life can be free and beautiful, but we have lost the way. Greed has poisoned men's souls, has barricaded the world with hate, has goose-stepped us into misery and bloodshed. We have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. Our knowledge has made us cynical, our cleverness hard and unkind. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. More than cleverness, we need kindness and gentleness. Without these qualities, life will be violent and all will be lost. The aeroplane and the radio have brought us closer together. The very nature of these inventions cries out for the goodness in men, cries out for universal brotherhood, for the unity of us all. Even now, my voice is reaching millions throughout the world. Millions of despairing men, women, and little children. Victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die. And the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, and what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You are men. You have the love of humanity in your hearts. You don't hate, only the unloved hate, the unloved and the unnatural. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke it is written, the kingdom of God is within man, not one man nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power. The power to create machines, the power to create happiness. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Then in the name of democracy, let us use that power. Let us all unite. Let us fight for a new world, a decent world that will give men a chance to work, that will give youth a future and old age a security. By the promise of these things, brutes have risen to power, but they lie, they do not fulfill that promise, they never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. Now let us fight to fulfill that promise. Let us fight to free the world, to do away with national barriers, to do away with greed, with hate and intolerance. Let us fight for a world of reason. A world where science and progress will lead to all men's happiness. Soldiers, in the name of democracy, let us all unite!
Ties to this machine. Ties to this machine. 